Restaurants Unstoppable, episode 393. Uh, well, you know, being, being in touch with your emotions, um, you know, when things are things, places, people, things are, you know, upsetting you where I could look at my hand in that and, and what I can control and what I can't control. You know, once, once I start letting things that I can't control, control me, I can get lost. I can get lost real quick. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. Who loves doing paperwork? No one. Sorcery is an efficient online AP automated solution for the food service industry and restaurants, large and small, are using Sorcery to provide a scalable solution to help them create efficiencies and ultimately grow their business while impacting their bottom line. To learn more, head to GetSorcery.com. That's G-E-T-S-O-U-R-C-E-R-Y.com. And be sure to mention Restaurant Unstoppable to get your first month free. There is no time to waste in the restaurant business, especially when an opportunity comes up and you need extra capital. Cabbage created a simple, flexible way to get a line of credit of up to $150,000, apply online, and get a decision right away. Withdraw funds when you need them without reapplying. Cabbage has helped over 100,000 small businesses. Get started at cabbage.com slash unstoppable, and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's cabbage with a K. Line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Kyle Lee McKnight. Chef, my man, are you feeling unstoppable today? Uh, a little bit. You know, it's still early, you know, with all these hours of grueling and travel during events this past couple of weeks and, you know, the day to day life of food. You know, sometimes you feel unstoppable, but right now, I'm feeling unfeasible. Yeah, you're going to crush it, man. Uh, I've heard great things, so I have hope. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's sweet of whoever said that. Yeah, right. Well, so actually, it was Ian Bowden. Thank you. We should probably give him some recognition well, right now. Oh, definitely. Ian, uh, you know, I admire him so much for many oh, different re- reasons, but most of all, because my boy keeps it real with me. Yeah, I'm in uh, I'm in Florida right now, about to drive back up to New Hampshire in a couple of days. And Ian, look out, man! I'm gonna try to make a stop at the shack to pay you a visit to, to check it out. But uh, Chef Kyle McKnight got his start washing dishes for a pair of Adidas. 25 years later, he's made a name for himself as a premier chef in the South. He's won multiple accolades for his work and has been invited to cook at the James Beard House today. He's the founder of Nana's. Did I say it correctly? You got it. Yes. Nana's meets and provisions and serves as executive chef at Full Steam Brewery. Obviously, we're just scraping the surface, man. Uh, I had fun learning more about you. You got a lot going on in your story. I can't wait to hear about it. But let's get that motivational, inspirational, ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. What do you got for us? Well, you know, there's there's fear that comes into one's life all the time. You know, you can face everything and run, you know, or you can face everything and remain. Um, you know, for me, I've, I've seen so many ups and downs, you know, through this business and life that, you know, I found that, you know, when there's that big boulder in front of you, 
you know, it may take a little bit more time to push it, push it, push it, push it, push it away from you. Uh, but it's a lot better than avoiding the boulder and going the long way around. So when you want to avoid that boulder and go the long way around, Chef, how do you find the, I guess, the energy or where do you search within to just, you know, whatever it takes to show up? How do you find that? Uh, well, I mean, you got to sometimes you got to re- dig really deep, you know, and, I, you know, for me, um, you know, I've battled addiction numerous different times and, you know, I'm sober today that, you know, one thing that I can fi- find rings very true is that, you know, if you stop, you know, take a look at where, where you play in the whole situation and uh, find a, a, a more morally correct way of responding opposed to reacting and being like, fuck, you know, F this, I'm going to. I'm going to skirt to the side here, skirt to the side here and not really address the issue that, you know, digging down deep and and finding your role in it and how you can respond in a much more positive way works best for me. So let me ask you this. What's your role in it all? (laughs) Well, it depends on the situation. (laughs) That's for sure. But, you know, you know, there's going to be there's problems that arrive in the business that, you know, sometimes that I do have a role in it, whether it was like months prior or immediately, and sometimes I don't have a role in it, and, and just deciphering those the, between those three that and where I need to navigate my response or, or uh, reaction. You know, I try not to react. That's usually negative. Um, it, to where you know things can be beneficial on all sides, but especially to where is I don't feel any regret or remorse. Awesome. Uh, I made some notes. We probably will come back to some of the things you dropped on us, but let's get the story on how you got into this industry. Uh, from what I gathered, it all started with a pair of Adidas. What does that mean? Yeah. So, <laughs> so um, as a young grown up DC, Northern Virginia, you know, uh, it's not like I came from a family without, but I was getting to that age where um, it was, you know, time for me to either get a job or do a lot more chores to make money. And, uh, I was really stuck on these, you know, I think they were 1991, 92s Adidas campuses, black, you know, they didn't have the campus written on the outside, the Mountaineer edition. And I had to get a job. So I washed dishes, my first paycheck. I think a minimum wage then was like four twenty three an hour. You know, with that two week check, I was able to buy a pair of kicks, super stoked. I, I finally found those again, some odd 23 years later on the internet, same year and paid like $280 for them. Oh, um, and, and, yeah. And then, uh, you know, the business stuck on me cause I saw, you know, you know, I took a, a little break from it later in my life, uh, you know, and when I was around 19 and then got back into it, um, you know, but the hospitality aspect, the microcosm of like how kitchens operate and, you know, the all different walks of life, uh, and the camaraderie is what really drawed me into it. And, you know, I'm creative by nature that, you know, I've, I've found that, you know, you can still be creative somewhat, you know, with food, depending on where you are and where you want to be in the industry. And that I love to travel. You know, as a kid, we traveled a lot, you know, growing up in Germany and then D.C. My mom took us everywhere, everywhere. At times hated it, loved it. But, you know, everyone has to eat. Mm. So, you know what? <laughs> I can see the world, you know, and cook, you know. And it eventually it, it grew on me more and more that, you know, my heart, my higher power has put me here to try to bring people joy and uh, a break from, you know, their day-to-day life stresses with the vehicles of food. 
I love it. So when did you know that this was your higher calling? Like, was there an aha moment? Did you have an experience where you're like, this is what it's all about to bring people together. Like you said, uh, to create that joy. Like when did that click for you? Can you, can you bring us to the moment? Yeah. I mean, I think it was, it was always there, but, um, I, I believe it was in, in, you know, my early twenties when I was working on St. John and the Virgin islands and, um, you know, I moved up to gift Hill in the middle of the Island. I'd been working at a resort, you know, I'd become friends with, you know, some of the locals. Do you know and RJ a, Joyce? I'm sorry to interrupt. He was uh, up there past guests around the same time as you. I can't, can't say that name. Okay. Sorry. Bell, but sorry to interrupt. No worries. <laughs> no worries. Um, you know, that, uh, there was a little bit of a roadside shack right there where you turned off center line road to gift Hill. And, you know, I'd gone up there to eat a lot of curry goat and so forth and so on. And then they finally one day asked me if I'd cook on a Sunday when everybody's hanging out. <clears throat> and I was still young and dumb, you know, but I, I knew what I was going to make. And, you know, I got some dried black eyed peas, you know, there's different greens down there. So I did a, you know, a Southern meal for the West, West Indies, you know, Southern United States. And, you know, they could see the similarities and like the smiles on their faces. And, you know, we roasted a goat and right then it was like, wow, I really can make people happy. Mm you know, and, and sharing, you know, and then you know, I've had numerous, numerous confirmations of that since then. So at this point, how old were you? Hello? Yeah. Can you hear me at, th- at this point? Yeah, how yeah. old were you? Oh, that point I want to say I was like 22. Okay. So at this point, like, like seven years in the industry of working, uh, and really it took you about seven years to really figure that out. Would you say that that's what it was? Yeah. About? Yeah. I mean, I, <clears throat> when it came to like truly making people happy, mm-hmm. whether I liked the, the industry or not, or, you know, I was, I was set on the idea, you know, after I went to culinary school that like, I'm going to travel and I'm going to cook, you yeah. know, like uh, that's how I'm going to see the world. Then it really started to sink home that like, wow, this, I can really make people happy and, yeah. and, and invoke it and invoke a feeling within them. How did your career start changing when you had that, when the, the focus came off of you and uh, cooking to be your vehicle for travel and now you're, for you, cooking was a vehicle to make people happy. How did yeah. your career start changing when you realized that? Well, it, it, it really started taking hold the first time I got sober. So that's like 20, 2005, 2006. Okay. Um, that, that's when it really. And how old are you at this that, point? I'm 40. Okay. 25. So I was, yeah. So I was like 28, 29, okay. I think. Yeah. A little bit before my daughter was born that, you know, um, you know, before it was just like, you know, travel experience, have fun, you know, learn as much as you can forget sometimes some things yeah. and, uh, you know, the, the, the life that I was living that, you know, once I got sober and like, I, I felt as if I was touched that, you know, it was time that, you know, like this is, it's about making people happy. And I, and at times, you know, I, I could have been difficult and so forth in the kitchen. But the ultimate goal was to make the person happy through the storytelling of food. So how come you couldn't make people happy uh, with the influence of alcohol? I didn't say that I could make them happy. But I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not saying that I, I'd like every dish came back and they're like, what the hell, blah, blah, blah. You know, but it was more for me, like, this is why I do this. Mm. Awesome. Uh, I kind of want to dive in deeper to uh, your story of finding sobriety or so sobriety, uh, because I feel like that's such a, a common challenge 
in the sensor and we were surrounded by it, right? Uh, yeah. So it is. how did you dig deep to find the willpower to uh, choose to stay sober? And like, what advice do you have for somebody who might be uh, dealing with that same issue where they they realize they have a problem? Well, you know, for me, the first time I was honestly touched by my higher power and it, it stuck for five years and then I wasn't maintaining, you know, the things that I had learned to, um, you know, remain sober. I uh, went back out for two years uh, and that was honestly the worst time of my life. And, um, you know, now at almost five years, uh, you know, it's, it's, yes, I have to exert some willpower, but I also have, you have to believe in something. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm not saying it has to be Jesus. I'm not saying it has to be Muhammad or Buddha, but whatever your, whatever your higher power is needs to give you hope and faith. And once you lose those two things, it's going to be extremely hard, you know, um, and, and this is all my perspective, you know, um, what works for me may not work for you, but if there's something in there that, that touches you, you know, grab hold of it and, and run with it. Um, you know, the courage to be able to speak up and talk about your feelings and, and, you know, I've been great at it and I've been bad at it at times too. Um, but I know at least for me that, you know, drugs and alcohol, you know, put me in emotional handcuffs and they also put me in physical handcuffs at times, yeah. but you know, uh, it, it, it's tough because in the business, you know, you have high stress. Uh, you, you have such pressure to perform every day, every minute, every hour that, you know, substances, you know, they, they become those crutches to where you can escape. But if you don't start to get in touch with your emotions and your feelings, you're just going to keep masking them and keep pushing them down. And, you know, they, some people can do it and some people can. And I was, I was not one of them. I mean, I used to be fun and then I just became miserable because, you know, uh, the stress and the, you know, regrets that, you know, choices that I'd make, but I would continue to suppress them with drugs and alcohol. And I just got tired of living that way. And I, you know, once again, when talking about higher power that, you know, I think I'm around to, you know, spread this message of like, you know, it's, you know, through food and, and connecting people and, and, and telling people that, you know, it, it, there can be a better way. You can make a better choice. So you were using uh, alcohol, maybe some others. I don't know what you were using, but how it sounds like you were using these substances to um, suppress your emotions. Uh, and how are you oh, better yeah. now um, without that suppression? How do you uh, deal with your emotions in stress now that you don't have that, that, uh, crunch to lean on. Um, you know, some days I'm better than others. You know, there's been some circumstances and choices that I made recently, you know, that, uh, have caused me to, uh, feel pretty bad. Um, but I know that by talking about these things and, and discussing, you know, uh, with particular individuals, how, I can get perspective and me not making just a 100% decision myself, because sometimes there's things that I need to uh, gain perspective from others and, and pull from their experiences, you know, and let a lot of my ego out of it, you know, and at times it's hard, especially in this business, you know, most creative people have strong egos. And, and today, you know, I can let some of my ego go, you know, some days more than others, you know, that I have to put myself in other people's shoes and, and try to listen with empathy and understanding to see where their side of things are. And that can kind of also help. That really helps me. 
Awesome. So uh, you, you deal with stress and your emotions now by talking, simply just talking, getting it out and listening is what I'm hearing from you. And it can be so powerful. And how has your life changed over the past 10 years that you've gotten this discipline, that you've chose to uh, address your emotions and your stress head on, not with alcohol? Uh, how has your life changed in most recent years? Because uh, of this? I mean, the relationships that I have with individuals, you know, I would, I would make two steps, you know, before and during sometimes I would, I would make two steps, three steps forward and then take three back and then one more back, you know, and you know, now it's, it's the ebb and flow is a lot more consistent and linear, you know, whether it's going straight and then, you know, a horizontal path and then just slowly creeping up vertically instead of being so jagged on the downside, mm. upside, downside, upside. Uh, you, you know, mainly the relationships that, um, you know, not that I had bad ones before, but, you know, I, I, I'm not carrying around as much shame as I used to. I mean, everybody got, it has a bag of shit, you know, but today, you know, and stuff goes in it all the time, but you know, today at least there's a big hole at the bottom and that, you know, when I'm walking with this bag, stuff keeps dropping out Yeah. and when stuff goes in, it's just not, I don't get weighed down by it as much. Awesome. And when listening to you talk, I, I can't help but uh, think of uh, a quote. I'm not sure where I heard it, where it came from, but it really resonated with me. And it's uh, discipline is freedom. And I yeah. feel like a lot of people use alcohol and drugs to, uh, you know, suppress whatever it is they actually have to deal with. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you choose True. to override that urge to go to drugs and alcohol or whatever your, your crutch is, uh, that's when you really start to get ahead in life. Uh, and it's that yep. discipline to choose to do the work, to show up, to be good, to, to take yep. care of your body. That's when that freedom really starts to show up in your life. Cause you're, you're like you said, you're proactive. You're, uh, you're not reactive. Like you're, you're living intentionally, right. And your life is going yeah. places. Uh, and that's what it sounds like happened to you. Yeah, I am. And, and you know, times some, sometimes I fray a little bit. I'm not perfect. I'm no saint. Nobody is, <laughs> but, but nobody is and nobody ever will be. But yeah. you know, I continue to keep trying to make positive strides forward. And when I do make a wrong decision or choice, um, I try to make amends with it as quickly as possible. Uh, whether it's for me or for the other person, you know, but, um, you know, it, it is tough and, and showing up. Yeah, it is. You know, that's the, the, sometimes the hardest thing. Then after that, it's just, you know, you got to put in work. You got to be diligent, you know. Um, you know, when I was drinking and coming up in kitchens and stuff, like, you know, I always showed up, you know, and I'd always push through it like a green beret. But at t- I, I just didn't need to do that anymore. I just, you know, I needed to show up and be a lot more present. Awesome. So what other things did you do in your life to start getting more proactive, to start living more intentional, to start putting yourself uh, in positions to create opportunities for yourself? What advice do you have? You know, don't, you know, don't be scared. <laughs> you know, uh, the opportunities are out there. It's just uh, whether if you, you know, are willing to do the work, uh, patient enough to let things develop. And then, you know, having the faith and, and the know-how to see them through. So was there a point where you were scared? And did you get rid of that fear? Uh, I mean, I think fear is, is sometimes a healthy thing. Um, you know, uh, there's some things that I'm still fearful from, but, you know, not as strong as they, they were. But uh, it, it was more just a you know, trust in, in other people, trust in my abilities and trust in my higher power that, you know, you know, the only the only biggest failure is, is if you don't try, 
you know, and, and, and if I try and I put forth a valiant, honest effort, I, I, th- I believe that things are going to work out. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow, maybe 10 years down the road. But if I can stay diligent at it and put in the work, it may arrive to a, a, a place that is, you know, um, can give me, you know, peace or serenity or, or contentment. You know? So you bring up a good point. I think uh, a lot of young people want results right away. They're not willing to put in the work and they want to get oh, yeah. places as fast as possible. So what were you, what was going on in your mind uh, back when you were putting in the work? Um, you still yeah. are today. No, I'm, but, I'm still putting in work yeah. today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll be putting in work later today. You but, know? Yeah. But what was that conversation you were having with yourself to be patient? Uh, how do we find that patience? You know, I think I gained a lot of that from my mother and her faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, things take time. Things take time. And, um, you know, I think it with now today, the kind of way society is, you can get everything immediately, you know, mm-hmm. like you don't really need to know the Dewey decimal system. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? You don't really know how to have to, you know, do, uh, long work on a math sheet or whatever, you know, whatever the analogies may be that the instant gratification that like, you know, reality TV and, and uh, the internet gives you that, I think coming from that area era of seeing how baby boomers and, you know, the generation before me that worked hard, you know, that if you do work hard, that there's going to be a payoff and, you know, it may not be the complete payoff you want, but, um, just having trust, you know, that as long as, you know, I keep working hard that, you know, I'm, I'm going to get there. And I'd seen, seen that happen even when I was drinking, you know, like I'd see myself moving forward and, and I could see certain things happening. Um, you know, and then I would, you know, whether uh, the way I was emotionally feeling, you know, or, or I'd slack up a little bit or whatever it may be that through those challenges that I saw that like, you know, it, it, it can happen. It can happen. And, and since I've been sober and I and, and worked hard, you know, there's been situations that have worked out extremely well and there's been certain situations that, that haven't, you know, but I can see my place in that. But when I did see my, my, my place in those situations that, okay, I was, I was putting forth my best effort and I did see results. So let me continue with that path. So what were you doing differently when you put in your best effort and you got the results versus situations where you may have not gotten the same results? I, I was a lot more emotionally sound okay. and I was being, I was being a lot more, you know, uh, responsive and reactive. Okay, well, diving know? more about what, emotionally sound looks like uh well you know being being in touch with your emotions um you know when things are things places people things are you know upsetting you where i could look at my hand in that and and what i can control and what i can't control you know once once i start letting things that i can't control control me i can get lost I you mean an example of a time uh where something you couldn't control uh, you allow it to control you, and you lost your your focus. Uh, you know whether it's um, <laughs> I'm pulling back the layers here. Chef. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I hear you. <laughs> I hear you. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to uh, eloquently speak about the stinky part of the onion here. Um, <laughs> geez, situation. Um, some of them I buried. You know, like whether you know people people that I was working with or uh, for. Um, you know, when I could see particular things happening in the business and they, I could address it as, as well as I could, but I didn't necessarily have the final say 
and I couldn't control how the other, you know, uh, parties involved. So you saw things happening in the business without saying names or restaurants. I don't want to get too specific, but give me an example of what types of things you saw happening and how you wanted to maybe let your emotions get in the way of addressing the matter. Right. I'm not yeah. kind of making assumptions, but get specific. You, you, you saw something happening, uh, not too specific about, you know, I don't need names. I don't need locations. Uh, but then tell us how you could have handled that better. Tell us what you did and then what you would have done. Hindsight being 2020, you know, when, when coworkers, uh, you know, that I'd be in management with like the way that they would be responding to situations, whether they're being, uh, inactive, like not addressing, repeatedly 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 to where it would so, get to the point where i would blow up like so there's a situation where people aren't taking the right action repeatedly yeah, not doing the right yeah, thing repeatedly repeatedly, repeatedly. and you it, let that build up instead of oh yeah okay. exactly and in and, and even at times like going about it three different ways whether it's the kind and empathetic way you know going you know stern yet caring or are you kidding me why aren't we doing this why aren't we doing this and mm-hmm. You know, trying to, and nothing would happen. Like, it, it, it at times it would just it's, uh, compound on me mm. and, 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 and just make me build up resentment, like, particularly for the situation and, and, and sometimes for that person. Yeah. So, the chef you are today, uh, how would you handle that situation? How would you approach a situation like you described? Um, you know, it's, it, I'm going to continue, I'm going to bring up and I'm going to talk about it and I'm not going to, you know, try not to get too emotional with it. And then if it, if that's going to happen, I'm going to end up having to, you know, accept, I don't want to truly accept, but I'm going to have to accept the situation and then just be like, okay, well, you know what? I've done my part on this. So how do you bring it up? How do you bring up the situation, the problem in a way that's not, uh, I guess, confrontational. That's not, uh, attacking somebody is there a right way yeah. to do that i mean it, it, yeah it's, i mean it's pretty hard i mean you definitely need some other parties involved you know and whether if you do a little research between other people that maybe not in the uh, particular establishment or uh you know situation and see what their perspective is and gaining a little bit more advice on how to approach it and, it, and it's 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 never it's never good to do it one-on-one just with the person you know, because depending on how they are and how you particularly can be, you know, uh, situations can heighten real quick and nothing can get accomplished. So doing it in a, in a, in a collective setting usually works better. Good to know. Thank you, Chef. Uh, all right. right. So moving forward, um, I really want to find out. I mean, you've worked in so many great restaurants. Uh, you've really had the time to experience things that have worked well, maybe better than other experiences. Uh, so what, aside from you and your, the, the role you played with your emotions and how you've improved with handling your emotional intelligence uh, from then to now, uh, what other things have you picked up on in the operations that maybe had done a little bit better? What were the, what were, what things were happening in those operations that were lacking in other operations? <clears throat> but, you know, like a strong HR department, um, strong training, the, you know, these are some of the, the good things that, you know, you can have a great concept, but if you don't live it and you don't breathe it, every single person in the hierarchy, it's hard to really convey that story to your guests. Um, you know, and, and I've worked with people that, you know, just throw lots of darts at the dartboard and see what sticks, 
you know, and they, that doesn't usually work out too well. Um, You know, I've I've kind of seen the gambit, Um, you know, but I think what, what really works well is having a good business foundation, uh, a a huge um, training program, you know, constant diligent training and then clear, you know, rules, you know, when you start getting in too much of the gray and the black, it, it, things get blurred. And, you know, I think it's human nature. You, you give somebody an inch, they're going to want to take some more, you know, some more, more people than, than less, you know. So what does a strong training program look like? What do clear rules look like? How do you make these things clear and strong? Well, I think, you know, constantly going over them when it comes to the, you know, like training is like, you know, information is power. And there's yep. so much information out there right now. But then once you, you, you translate that information to tailor to each employee to where they can convey the story of what your business is to your, your customer or your guest, uh, it, 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 it really shows through. And then, you, you know, motivation when it comes to your employees and getting them to be bought in on what you're trying to do, you know, and that, that starts with your hiring process. Like I'll never hire for a resume. Ever, ever, you know, I will look at it and I'll be like, oh, okay, you're accomplished, so forth and so on. It's more about the willingness. And then Mm. are you, are you going to, you know, what are you going to do in this situation? You know, when, when chips are stacked up against you, are are you going to go over there to your employee, your, your fellow employee? And are you going to bail them out? Are you going to help them out? Are you going to just sit there and watch them? You know, whether you like that person or not, you know, are you going to be a true team player? You know, because you can be like, oh, well, Johnny's messing up there over on Saute 1, blah, blah, blah. You know, oh, I, you know, I'm just going to sit there and watch, you know, watch my meat rest. Well, I, I don't think you realize, my friend, that that's affecting that person that's sitting at that table who is a guest in our establishment right now. You know, and you need to help your buddy out. Get that out there because we want to deliver an experience and make that person that has chosen to come eat in this establishment or drink in this establishment feel as if they're welcome and they get their our best foot forward. Awesome. I love it, Chef. Uh, Keep worries. going. Keep going. We, do you have uh, more to you, you know, and, um, I, you know, that, that, that training program and, and, and culture, you know. Yeah. I'm happy you said you that know. word. Uh, you know, um, and it's a, and it's a, and it's 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 a year word that's used a lot more now. Like years ago, I didn't understand it when I first heard it. You know, but then you know, I love history. The more I looked at it, I'm like, yeah, cult. You know, you know, culture eats stuff for breakfast. You know what I mean? Like it, when it comes to a, uh, a business, you know, because if you have people that are bought into the culture and bought into the brand and bought into the mission, I mean, it, the sky can be the limit. Yeah, you bring up a great point, and I'm, I'm happy that you mentioned culture because I think originally I asked what the, the training looks like, uh, and I want to bring it back to that, but first I want to agree with you that, yeah, culture is so huge. Like, don't hire a resume. Hire you know, don't hire things, hire people, you know, and yep. I love how you hire willingness, and I think that's something that comes up a lot on the show is making sure people are willing, and uh, I, I mean, culture is huge, but back to the, the topic of training, uh, what does a good training program look like do you guys have like an actual uh system like a, a series or process like a stages of training or is it just that constant gentle pressure like danny meyer says of just continually mentoring it, i agree i agree with the danny meyer but i mean it's a constant constant gentle pressure you know and i think accountability plays a huge role in it 
like tests mm-hmm. and, you know, and spot checking and, you know, uh, watching and, and per- performance based, you know, inquiries and, um, you know, uh, analysts, mm-hmm. you know, when it comes to, you know, how your employees are performing, um, you know, back to that willingness is like, you know, if you have people that are really willing to learn and to try and, you know, put in the work, uh, you know, training can get really easy because you start building a foundation mm. and you're just building and building and building upon it. And, you know, um, whenever any, you know, situation that, that arises that is uh, good or bad, you know, um, praise those even when they're bad. So you can find how the, the, the employee or manager will respond to the next time a situation similar to that comes up. Yeah. You know, try to find the good in the bad, like somebody might have screwed up, but did they take the initiative to try to fix a problem without being told to do it? I mean, that's a good thing. Like you don't want to dampen that. No, not at all. Yeah. Not at all. So not at all. Acknowledge the good with the bad is I think they, they call it like a, a compliment (sighs) sandwich or whatever. It's like the, it's like good, negative, good. (laughs) Yeah. 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 But awesome stuff. Awesome stuff, Chef. So I'm curious, um, have you ever been a partner in any of the businesses you worked in? Have you ever taken that approach of working as a partner? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've, I've had, a, uh, I've had some partnerships where I, you know, I was like sweat equity per se. Yeah. Right. And, uh, some of them worked out well and most of them haven't worked out well with, you know, the dangling of carrots and false hope. So, you know, I want to dive into that because as a chef that has such a great reputation, uh, and has had opportunities to own, uh, what have you learned about uh, the partnerships that worked well and the ones that didn't work well? For those who are listening, who are looking for the their, I guess their way into ownership. Uh, yeah. What advice do you have for that person? Oh, I'm still learning on that myself, but <laughs> I, I ask thousands and thousands of questions and get them in right. Ask thousands of questions and get them in writing. What are some, what are the five or like, uh, give me three questions that are the top of your list of the questions you should be asking. And if you can think of more, uh, uh, uh before signing in, you know, open free access to, uh, capital, uh, what the, the investment cost is, whether it's a startup or it's been our, you know, operating already, uh, to, you know, clear definitions of, you know, how much you're going to be working and, you know, is there bon- bonus structures, you know, that work in with your points of the business, uh, three, you know, complete labor reports, um, if it's already an existing business or, um, you know, or your, you know, startup one, which they're forecasting versus what you see from your experience in the back of the house. Uh, for if you're going into, into a new area, you know, uh, complete demographic scopes, you know, uh, average income of, of homes, you know, do a little bit of research of, you know, what's in the area. Five, let's see. <laughs> uh, I love it. You just keep uh, going. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'm, I'm, I have thousands running through my head right now. <laughs> um, five a complete access to the business plan if it's uh ex- existing or new uh so you've been in situations where you something. didn't have access to the business plan in your partner well there's some of those are i was young and naive and i did not ask yeah. you know that's that what this podcast like, is for i like i appreciate you opening up because yeah. what we're trying to do is protect the people out there from getting burnt uh yeah 
So no, good luck. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, good luck. People are people. All right. Well, I mean, keep going. If you have any other advice you want to dive into, and I'm going to put back some layers. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty. There's plenty, you know, so, when it comes to advice on those things. But I'm still learning some of that things myself. And that's, you know, kind of one of the, the reasons why, uh, besides, you know, I had these chilies smuggled, you know, years ago that I've started Nana's Provisions is because, you know, I want to kind of do things. I, I hate it sounds egotistical because I do get a little bit of help from friends, you know, starting my side project business, you know, that um, I want to do business the way that I want to do business. That's you bring up a really great topic and I'm happy you went here because I wanted to go here eventually. Uh, and something I, a topic I want to explore more is the idea of a side hustle. And I think almost, I think anybody, if they want to open their own restaurant someday, they should find out whatever lane, uh, whatever thing that they do best, whatever thing they get a lot of recognition or praise for and create a side hustle around that thing. Um, just so you can, you know, have your own platform eventually, maybe have that be a launching pad for your own business that makes it, you know, becomes less of a side hustle and more of a 100, you know, full hustle. Um, yeah. Yeah. So what is your advice for that person out there who has stumbled across a great recipe or a sauce uh, and wants to bring it yeah. to market or retail? How do you do that? I'll go for it, honestly. Well, you know, like, um, for myself, I, t- I took uh, HACCP classes years ago at NC State, and and I'd helped uh, with a friend's company, Eco Friendly Foods, working on meat HACCP plans, you know. And then the more I learned about acidulated foods, and that's the FDA, you know, that would be more your sauces and your shelf stable and everything. They're like, wow, the FDA is so much use- easier than the USDA and the FSIS <laughs> when it comes to meats, you know. And eventually, with my side hustle, I get I'm, I'm working and formulating on the meats, but that takes a lot more capital because i love charcuterie that's kind of what i've gotten known for in the last like seven eight years you know i've been doing it for a long time right now i'm not practicing it it kind of makes me sad but you know uh i'm i'm super stoked with what i'm doing with the sauces but like when it comes to a side hustle like you know find what you really like and you care and find what's honest and genuine and it can kind of embody you um and you know for me with these sauces like you know it started out because i brought in chilies back uh, you know, from France and friends of mine grew and we saved the seeds. And I knew for the intentions that I, I, I wanted to keep having this chili, the Escalette, you know, from France, uh, grown here in the South. So I worked very diligently with that and then spreading the seeds through friends. And then eventually got to a point where I was like, holy cow, after all these horrible percentages every year, there's 60 pounds of them between four farms. And I'm like, okay. You know, my other favorite chili is Aji Dolce, number one. Number two, I'm like, this is a time. And I was leaving a partnership. I'm like, and this is what I want to do. I've always wanted to commercialize food. I wanted to, because that's one way that I could see myself getting off the line. Mm-hmm. Like, I love the line, but I can't have that stove or right now induction burners chain me to it. Well, you plus, know? I mean, the other thing, too, the reality of it, we all get older. We're getting older every second, yep. every minute of the day. Yep. And this is a physical career. It's a young man, a young woman's game. Oh yeah. Uh, I remember Bob Kincaid as a, as a you know kid and Phil core, one of my mentors, you know, say, saying to me, he's like, Kyle, there's two things you don't see in life. And I'm like, what's that? He's like young pigeons and old chefs, you know, cause it's, and it's true. The pigeon's not ready to come out. 
and the old chef has got to go. Yeah, and uh, so I guess to, to bring it back to the side hustle, uh, to bring it ba- back to finding your your niche, uh, whatever it is that you're going to own and you're going to go in that that vertical or whatever, uh, Like, what advice do you wish you had before breaking out and starting your own business? Uh, what things need to happen? How do you set yourself up for success in that side hustle? Uh, you know, having a little bit more capital. You know, like I didn't want to go the route of, you know, go fund me yeah. or any of that, those things. But, you know, capital definitely helps, yep. you know, it definitely helps. But, you know, you can do it. Like, I, I mean, I, I started I started this on a thousand dollars and I did not have a job at a time. Mm-hmm. I had left a job. And how long ago did you up. start? This was I left in the. I started in May of 2016 with it. Well, I actually started years ago with the seeds, but when it finally gave, got to this point, you know, it was the growing season of 2016. And, um, I was leaving my, my partnership. I was in talks with numerous different people. I had lots of church, you know, I do a lot of charity work and I was taking a leave of absence from the kitchen to kind of, you know, start this as well. But, you know, no job. I got child support, I got a thousand dollars to work with. And, and it made it happen. So, and, and just with self-distribution of myself last year, I turned that, that one year of sauce into this year. I have a barrel aged dusty, which was my first year, uh, dusty foothills. I'm, I'm producing my whiskey beer barrel aged, uh, Lucy Beauregard, which is a sweet potato habanero. And then I also have Sunny Amarillo and O2, uh, Beth Ryan, my girlfriend that, uh, Trinidad perfume and Jamaican mushroom chili with two different types of yeast added to it to bring in some tropical notes and um you know i got three you know three making four sauces this year off of just one year so it's possible wow and it, yeah and so this year i'm prime you know and I, I wish i knew a little bit more but i you know going into this but i had a good friend who's like a big brother to me sean mcgrath chef to shelf who i'm gonna call out um <laughs> you know he, he helped he, he helped me navigate a lot of these things and then i have friends from you know years of being in this business that are designers and so forth and i and and i leaned in on them and they've all helped me you know on some of these aspects and uh that's a huge point too is leveraging your network i don't think enough people really take a time to step back and look around to who they know who can help who can i bring in on this And and that's exactly what i did you know I've had strong, strong relationships for the past like 13 years here which in North is, Carolina with farmers, which was, that was the easy component, you know? Then the other component was like, okay, Kyle, what you've learned about the FDA and so forth. Okay, who can help you with this? Okay, can I do it in these these spaces, you know, that I'd be, you know, renting or friends' kitchens or spaces that allow me to ferment? Okay, what do I have to do when I get those things tested? Oh, my buddy Sean McGrath can help me with that. Okay, design work. Well, I know who this person and that person, blah, blah, blah. Okay, let me talk with them. You know, let me let me talk about what the look and the feel I look and uh, if they can help me capture my brand and label. And then, you know, it just started clicking, clicking, clicking. Yeah. You know, and this, this year, like, I've taken over my, trans, you know, the transport, like, getting getting my stuff from, because I had it bottled in, in uh, Chicago, I couldn't find any place here in the South that would do it the way I wanted it with its like cold pasturation techniques and, and the blending and, and, and their grades of strains, you know, that a friend hooked me up with a guy in Chicago. So now I'm, I've taken over the logistics aspects of getting all my mash, you know, from here in North Carolina to Chicago and back. So, you know, uh, I've been learning lots of different things and taking more and more ownership of everything. 
taking that advice and those instructions from people within my network to lead me to the point where I like, I think I got this. So how did you meet like a lot of these people who are now offering you advice in your business? Like what's your advice for getting out there and meeting the people that can help you get to where you need to go? I, you know, for me, you like McGrath, I've known him since I was like 11 years old. Mm -hmm. He he was one of my brother's best, best friends still is to the day. And he's like a brother to me. So he just happened to be a food scientist, you know what I mean? But I've met some along the ways. And then other ones is just, you know, networking through, you know, various different friends and, you know, cooking and events and, and, you know, many years in the business. I think now uh, for younger people, it's so easy because you have social media, you know, that you can just reach out and just, you know, if you're genuine and you're honest and, and, and I think there's a whole, I think with some, some of social media, some's good, some bad, but I think a lot of it's good that, you know, that there's a lot of good people out there that are willing to share. Yeah. So what is it about you? What do you do or how do you carry yourself where people actually want to offer their help to you? I think I just try to be a good person, (laughs) (laughs) you know, and be real and genuine. Yeah. Awesome. You know, and, and so don't, don't think all these people have done this without getting paid too. you know, people, you know, people's time and information is valuable. You know, some people are going to give it to you for free and some people aren't, you know, you just got to be willing, you know, um, depending on how close you are to that person to, to set up agreements ahead of time. Mm. Why, you why know? is that so important to set up those agreements and to get on the same page and communicate? Well, I, it prevents hurt. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anger, resentment. Yeah. It's just so important. Operational agreements. Uh, whenever you're going, going into an operation, get, get the agreements written out, protect yourself, yep. ask a lot of questions like, like chef mentioned and really just get everything in writing uh, and yep. go talk to somebody or listen to a hundred episodes of restaurant unstoppable. Cause we talk about this all the time. Find out what questions you should be asking, protect yourself. And I love the idea of, um, of, you know, just, you just started. And I feel that's what gets people in trouble. You only had a thousand dollars. That's not a lot. I think a lot of people, I mean, the more capital we have, the faster we can get things going, but what yep. will really inhibit you from, from doing anything is starting. And once you start just start wherever you can, even if that's like a pot, uh, and you start, mm-hmm. you know, getting it out to your friends. Just start wherever you can, and the, the momentum yep. will pick up. People will start talking. People will get behind you. But you got to start, and th- that's what you did. Awesome. Uh, any other advice uh, on just getting that product to, to the market, or things we should know, or just life in business and restaurant advice in general? You want to drop on us before we move on? You know, I think it, when it comes to products, is um, you know, I've been looking on shelves and reading ingredients since I was a kid, and I don't even know why. You know, even with, you know, I always liked food, but looking at ingredients, and I think with today's climate and marketplace, you know, looking at things that are unique, but yet familiar and, and how you can present it differently. Um, you know, if you look at like my branding and so forth, it, it's pretty distinct. And, you know, those are derived off of uh, snuff canisters of my youth, seeing them in grocery stores <laughs> in, in Virginia. And because it, it, for me, it evokes a time and place, you know, like my mantra is buy food from friends, you know, that. that, that, that time and era in our, our history, you know, things were done with a handshake. Things were done. Honestly, things were done with hard work. Um, you know, and me trying to bring that back, you know, like I only buy the ingredients from friends that I, know. Um, you know, and, and, and having a story, you know, and a genuine story, not, not something that, you know, a concept that you drive up, you know, an actual, a mantra, an actual way that you do, 
live your life and uh, look approach and how you approach business. You know, I'm happy um, you went there, Chef, because I did catch that by food from friends in my research, and I did want to ask about that. Why? Why is that so important to you? Uh, and I, you know, I do try to support people who have the values like you have, and I try to share values like you have. So dive into that value of buying food from friends. Well, you know that if you're if they're your friends, they're going to have your back, and you're going to have their back. And you're, you're more, and it's going to be a lot easier to come to an agreement with, you know, and then there's going to be ups and downs, but who better to do the ups and downs with and with your friends, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, because there could be empathy in there. There's going to be some caring in there. There's going to be some concern, you know, and, and it's just a, for me, it's just a better way of, uh, of walking life and dealing with things. It's definitely harder know? in, in the moment. It's harder to do the right thing. Uh, you know, there's a lot of easier options out there, but doing the right thing in the end, I feel like always it's that discipline, right? Discipline is freedom. Uh, it's doing the right thing and just being a part of the community, supporting your friends. It will come back to serve you some way, somehow. Uh, Of course, of course. I mean, I'd much rather, you know, you know, with me having to travel, you know, numerous, numerous miles this past summer and, and early fall, picking up chilies throughout the state of North Carolina, um, you know, that when I'm handing over the money to this farmer, whether they have kids or they have kids in college or I'm at their home, that I know that that money is going straight to them. Awesome. You know, that they, they are able to benefit from their hard work. And then, you know, some of them are this year and next year they're leaving the marketplace. I'm sorry, particular farmers markets, but they know I'm going to show up. Yeah, they they know I'm going to show up and I'm going to deliver and say thank you and you know hey see you in a couple of weeks you know for the other 200 pounds you know that they don't have to their side hustle gets a lot easier. Mm. Awesome. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back for the speed round. Nobody likes doing paperwork. If you have a growing group of restaurants and find yourself wishing you could snap your fingers and have all of your invoices and AP instantly disappear from your plate, then you need to call Sorcery. Sorcery is used to make owning and operating a restaurant a breeze. Instead of dreading invoices, you'll be delighted to be synced with every vendor. With your new relationships, you can work on negotiating the best price to improve your margins and Sorcery's biggest super Superpower is that they watch the prices you pay across the kitchen from dry goods to proteins to produce. And when citrus skyrockets, you'll know to update your recipes before you end up kicking yourself at the end of the quarter. To learn more, head over to www.getsorcery.com or find the banner in the show notes. If you mention Restaurant Unstoppable at checkout, you'll get your first month free. Yep. To be unstoppable, most restaurant owners require extra capital from time to time. When you need funding to renovate, buy equipment, or manage cash flow, you don't have time to track down financial statements or wait weeks for a decision. That's where Cabbage can help. Cabbage gives small businesses access to a line of credit of up to $150,000. Apply online and you'll get a decision right away. Since Cabbage is a line of credit, you can take the exact amount you need. You never have to reapply to take out additional loans and you only pay for the funds you use. 
Cabbage has helped more than 100,000 businesses from every industry with over $3 billion in funding. Cabbage is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and was named a Forbes Top 100 company twice in a row. Check out Cabbage with a K dot com slash unstoppable and you'll get a $100 gift card when you qualify. That's K-A-B-B-A-G-E dot com slash unstoppable line of credit is subject to credit approval. See terms and conditions. And we're back. The first question I have for you, chef, is what is your it factor? A habit, a trait a characteristic you believe most contributes to your success. Me and my Adidas and I'm scrappy. Being scrappy and those Adidas. Awesome. Uh, <laughs> wait, I, I got to dive into that a little bit more. What do you mean by scrappy? I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes, you know, within boundaries. Got it. You know that I'm, I'm, I'm that scrappy dude that keeps getting knocked down, but he doesn't want to stay down. I dig it. What is your biggest weakness? Oh, it, my emotions and it's also my strength biggest strength yeah you know absolutely how can that be in a, your strength i'm curious oh because you, you, you know when i'm emotionally sound I, I believe i'm unstoppable awesome uh what is one question or thing you look for during the interview process I already kind of covered this a little um when i'm interviewing a you know potential uh, employee yeah um you know, uh, you know, like in a restaurant setting, it's, it's one, one question. It's, uh, you know, who do you think the most important person is in a restaurant? What are you looking for? You know, the, the dishwasher. Oh, why? Ceramic technician. Because if you don't have one of those and someone that's good, you don't have anything. Beautiful. Uh, what is a current challenge and how are you dealing with it? Uh, current challenge is, is going through some, some things in my personal life. And, um, you know, it's, uh, about for me, I'm going through, it's, it's being a little rough, but I'm, uh, trying to be diligent on how I see myself in the situation and how I can make things better. Okay. And what are you doing? Dive into what you're doing to, I guess, have control over the situation. Uh, it, some of it I don't really have control, but the, the part I do have control is being uh, open and upfront about my intentions and, and how I uh, really, truly feel about whatever, whatever is taking place. You, this is something that you've mentioned a lot, and it comes up often during this, this conversation, is just being open and, and transparent and forward with your thoughts and your emotions. So do you have like a, a way that you do this? Is there like a practice you have? Or, I mean, just talk to us about why that's so important. Really put emphasis on that. Really drive it home. And I, uh, you know, at, at times, like, you know, I've kind of put up as, uh, you know, um, when I'm not really discussing them, uh, like those blinders on horses, yeah. you know, and I'm just kind of like tunnel vision focused and or not focused uh, is, is not being afraid to open up for pain mm. and hearing something that you really don't want to hear, but you may need to hear. or saying something you really don't want to say, but need to say. Yeah. Awesome. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. You know, being able to, to, to say that and, and be able to uh, get an answer that you may not want to hear. Yeah. You know, and, and preparing yourself to kind of deal with those. Uh, 
beautiful. Uh, you know, I just want to add one thing because I feel like I've gotten better at this too, talking about things or addressing matters that I don't oh, yeah, want to no, address. You're great at. Uh, but honestly, I feel like whenever I'm facing that situation where I need to say something or have that conversation, I just tell myself it's not about me. You know, I feel like a yeah, lot of people, yeah. um, they make it personal. They, they kind of get locked into their own head, but it's not for you. It's not about you. It's about everybody else. And when you have yeah. that mentality, like you had earlier, you mentioned, uh, for you, when things turned around in your life, you you realize it's about making other people happy and it's about other people. Um, yep. so and if I don't make it, if I can't get myself happy, I can't get anybody else. Yeah. Happy. It's not about me. And when you, when you say that to yourself and you get out of your own head and you say it's about everyone else and, and you truly live to make other people happy and to serve others, you'll be surprised how much easier it is to open up. That's that is true. I've noticed. So awesome stuff there. Uh, share one code of conduct or behavior. Uh, you teach your team. That's like non-standard restaurants, like values or behaviors or things we should be doing in our own business. You know, don't be afraid to be silly. Nice. Be silly. You know, because whether if it's making you feel good, but being silly at times can really make other people feel good. It can break the ice. It mm-hmm. can, you know, take a situation that, you know, you got to do when it's appropriate to a degree, you know, but that's one thing I, I, I always try to do, you know, for my friends when I assist them, you know, and recently I was cooking with, you know, Ian and Chidi is like, I'm going to, I'm going to be your, your back grill guy. and I'm going to be back. You're being silly. Just keep telling me what you need me to do. And I got you because I know it's stressful if they're putting those 13 touches on a plate, you know, for 200 people. Yeah. You know, don't worry. I'm going to be here and I'm going to be here with a smile, you know, doing the robot dance. Being silly. <laughs> What's yeah. one uncommon standard of service you teach your staff? So, this is kind of a question. I'll give you an example. Um, so, I, when I did a stage at Row 34, in front of house stage, they taught me that when you approach a table uh, and you're holding something like a plate that doesn't belong, a dirty plate or any, anything in your hand that doesn't belong to that table you're uh, confronting, you hold it behind your back. What's one uncommon standard of service or you teach your team or your staff? You know, when, you, when, when you're, like you're saying, with, you know, putting a dirty plate behind your back is, you know, making sure that you're open when you're at a table, you know, and uh, about facing them, I guess. So be square to the table. Be square to the table because, you know, certain people favor their sides when it comes to right and left-handed. Yep. And if you approach people on certain shoulders, uh, it can make them feel uncomfortable. Good advice. Share one online resource or tool you leverage in your business. Um, let's see. Well, I mean, the easy answer is Google. I mean, it's ridiculous how much <laughs> yeah. you can find on Google these days. Um, you know, I, I would have to say it's a combination, I guess, of, you know, Instagram. I, I, I don't know. I, when it comes to online, I mean, I, I usually, uh, I'm just searching, you know, what things are. Is there a website or, that you go to often to get information? No, no, not honestly. Right. You know, I'm sorry. No, really you're good. A, you're good. Google a great answer for that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, when it comes to research, it's like, I'll just research what I want to research. Like, okay. Like, you know, when I'm coming out with a sauce it is, I've, you know, this first sauce, I phrased it so many different ways to see if that, what I was doing was actually on the market, Mm. you know, and it wasn't. So So what's one book that we must read to become a better person or restaurant operator? Um, setting the tables, probably one of the best. 
what was the biggest lesson that you got out of that book? Um, I don't, wow. <laughs> there's a lot of lessons in that book. There's a lot of lessons in that book, you know, mainly about how to treat people. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what is one piece of technology you've adopted in your restaurants? This is like something like a POS system, labor management. Uh, uh, I don't know, like a, anything in the kitchen. Well, that one thing we're doing right, you know, well, I'm teaching myself how to cook on induction, which is, uh, interesting after, you know, 20 plus years on gas. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's crazy, especially just trying to cook grits on induction. It's just, <laughs> you know, you've, you've learned one way, you know, and got arrived to that point on grits and then you go to induction and it just throws everything out the window. Yep. I mean, I, I burned grits for like four straight weeks and it, I mean, it was sad because I pride myself on how I cook my grits, but, uh, we're using the order man POS right now from, uh, Aloha and it's been having a little bit of challenges, you know, when it comes to connectivity and so forth, you know, one of those handheld devices, um, when it comes to like greeting guests, but I can see it's complete benefits, you know, in a, in a you know, casual setting. And that was the order man POS from Aloha. Yeah. Yeah, it's like their handheld looks like a big phone. Gotcha. You know, and you can ring up take I mean, and you, it's supposed to work on Wi-Fi and radio. The radio is what's really intrigued me because that never goes out. You know what I mean? Awesome. Um, and you can print checks mobily from all different locations. So, I mean, there's been some operating challenges, but I can see how it is extremely beneficial. Yeah, I mean, any anytime you can get rid of that that bottleneck or that traffic jam at the POS system, it just takes up, yeah. I mean, it just frees up so much time, uh, yeah. more time yeah. that your, your servers can be on the floor taking care of your guests, which is yeah. the most important and, thing. And I'm really interested in, you know, in, in multiple avenues of how the customer can order like kiosks, the order man and your, your, your typical ring in POS at the bar or at a server station. I think there's so many different ways of, whatever your concept is now that you can actually generate points of sale. All right. This is the last question before we have you call somebody out and share your information. Um, if you could got the news like today that you'd be leaving this world tomorrow and all the memories of you and your work and your restaurants that you've worked in would be lost with your departure. Uh, with the exception of three pieces of wisdoms, thing, things you know to be true that you could leave behind for humanity in the restaurant industry. Uh, what would those three pieces of advice be or those three pieces of wisdom, things you know to be true? Oh, Jesus. It's tough, man. That's oh, a deep geez. one. It is. That's <laughs> tough. That's deep. That's deep. Um, you know, uh, showing up is the hardest part. Um, you know, you only fail when you don't try. Um, and, you know, to use Maya Angelou and her quote, you know, People don't always remember what you said, but they remember how you made them feel. Beautiful. Awesome stuff, Chef. Uh, this has been a great conversation. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. We wrap up every episode by calling somebody out. So who is one independent restaurant operator, maybe two or three, whatever you have, I'll take them. Uh, somebody you admire in this industry and think would make a great guest mentor on the show like you've made for us today. Ah, uh, gotcha. Might have to holler out, at, you know, uh, my childhood best friend and I respect him a lot as a chef and as a person, uh, Christopher Edwards, just open up a new Hanks up there on uh, the wharf in Southeast DC. 
we've known each other since 12. We were 12 in sixth grade, went to culinary school. Uh, you know, Godfather, one of his kids, you know, it's my homie Crunchy. Awesome. Chris Edwards, look out. I'm coming after you. You mentioned one other interview or one other name during the interview. Who was that? I said Ian. And then was it Chris Edwards? No, Sean, oh, Sean McGrath. Oh, Sean McGrath. That's but he's not a restaurant. He's a, he's a food scientist. Chef the shelf on Instagram. Hmm. Maybe we can find a way. <laughs> maybe we can get a way to get him on the show. Maybe if no, he's advice. got a great story. I mean, he worked for Sara Lee. I mean, he's done work. Too. Yeah. He's, he's got great stories and he's hilarious. Awesome. Chef. Chris Edwards and uh, Chef Sean McGrath. Is he a chef too, technically? Yeah, he's, he's got a culinary degree. Got you. Look out, guys. I'm coming after you. I'd love to get you on the show. Let the folks at home know uh, how we can connect with you. If we want to get your sauces, for example, and implement your sauces into our restaurant, into our, our menu, or just at home, what's the best way to connect? Yeah, so right now it would be through Instagram at Nana's Provisions. Um, and then there's also Dusty Foothills and Sunny Amarillo on Instagram, but Nana's Provisions, and I'm working right now on who's going to be the distributor here. My website will be up in January, and there's going to be you know order order online uh, capabilities. I'll probably be shipping out twice a month. Um, yeah, where are you located? Right now? Uh, right now I'm in Durham, North Carolina. Durham, North Carolina. If you guys are listening to this and you're in the North Carolina area, you're looking. If you know of any distributors. Uh, you can help them out. Reach out. Maybe we maybe we can uh, get the word out. I don't know where you are with that, but who knows? Maybe somebody knows something we don't. Nice, awesome, Chef. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, to share your story. To get real, you really opened up, and I really appreciate that. Not holding anything back. Uh, that's where the value comes from. There is no questioning, my friend. You are unstoppable. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. I appreciate it. Awesome. Well, there's another great episode wrapped up here at Restaurant Unstoppable. Thanks again, Chef Kyle Lee McKnight. Man, some great advice uh, in today's conversation. In uh, I just love how real my guests get and how open they get. And that's one of the things I love about people in this industry in general, how transparent and real they are. But I feel like just successful people in this industry even further, even more are just so real, open and genuine and just they're an open book and you can just keen so much trust and rapport by being that way. Um, and just the idea that he shared with us, um, how he, struggled with addiction and how he broke from addiction. And he noticed as soon as he did, his relationships started getting better. And it's funny because I feel like a lot of us, I mean, nothing about that addiction is funny, but I I feel like a lot of us in this industry who struggle with addiction, uh, we get there because of our passion and our love for socializing and being around other people. And there's some irony there that, uh, we get into it, we get involved, we get addicted to these things because we love being around people. We love socializing. We love being out and just being a part of it all. Uh, but it can hurt us. It can hurt our relationships. I think we do, we're doing these things because we like to the party and have fun and to, to, to strengthen those relationships. And to be completely honest, I, I do believe going out and building that camaraderie, uh, out at a bar is something that's good for your career. It's going to help you grow your network and meet new people in the industry and your community and really get your name out there. But you need to do it with discipline. You need to really 
be careful about taking it too far. And it's funny. Well, what is kind of funny, the irony is that it wasn't until he got away from whatever his addiction was. I think it was alcohol, alcoholism, uh, that he really started improving his relationships. Um, the irony there is we get into that sort of thing because of the relationship building, but it can be a double-edged sword, uh, because it can consume our lives. It can make us resent going to work. I mean, it, it can just, you know, it just holds us back from truly living with discipline and getting ahead and being proactive. Uh, and it, it wasn't until he got away from those things that his relationships did start getting better. So this industry is so important on relationships. It's so dependent on how well uh, people know you and how well you treat other people and uh, being clean, being free of, uh, I don't know, that stress that you create for yourself can really help project your career forward. So thank you again, chef for opening up, for getting real. And it's a real matter in our issue or in our industry. So I'm happy that we went there today in this conversation. And, um, I think we can wrap up with that. Like always, guys, please do reach out to me, Eric at restaurantunstoppable.com. I'm always looking for the next restaurant tour operations director of operations, whatever, somebody to make an example of somebody who's lived their life in this career, who has learned a lot, who's successful, who can share their knowledge and their mentorship with us. Let me know, put them on their radar. Just let me know what your challenges are. I'll get an expert on the show to answer your questions. Uh, you can connect with me on Instagram and Twitter, Eric Cacciatore and Facebook slash restaurant unstoppable. Keep those five-star reviews on iTunes and Stitcher radio coming. They help validate my work so much. And I do take Donations. So head over to restaurantunstoppable.com slash support. Uh, every little bit helps. I do make these these episodes free. So uh, really, thank you so much if you have left a donation. And uh, thank you in advance if you do. But the best way to support the show, guys, uh, the way that really helps me the most is by simply sharing this resource. So tweet it out. Uh, like share on Facebook, whatever, just get the word out there. Help me grow this resource and get it into as many hands and ears as possible. Uh, I think that's all for today. So thanks so much for sticking around this long until next time. Peace out.